and peace be with you. Would uh, like to bring your attention to the uh, bulletin sheet, the insert in your bulletin, and take a look at the front page here of uh, the events and things that are important to you, and please uh, take a moment just to check that out. As always, I uh, have regular office hours and invite you to pop by and see me or make an appointment with uh, Ashley uh, to come in and, and speak to me about anything, have a cup of coffee, or just a visit. So I am available for that. I have been seeing some of our homebound uh, and taking them communion and uh, praying with them, and I can be there as little or as long as they want, and uh, sometimes it's 30 minutes, and sometimes it's two hours, but it's enjoyable, and I am available. So if uh, you know anyone that would like for a pastor to come and make a visit to them if they feel safe uh, doing that, I wear my mask and, and so forth, uh, or if we sit outside, we're... we're uh, apart, but I, I'd like to just make sure that our congregation and the people know that I am available and that things did not stop in that realm either. So that is uh, all that I have for this morning and announcements. And our first uh, hymn is uh, Spirit of the Living God. Spirit of
we come together this morning in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's take a moment for silent reflection. Let us confess our sins to God our Father, most merciful God. We confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you. And for his sake, he forgives you all of your sins. And as your called and ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy for the peace from above and for our salvation. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy for the peace of the whole world for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy, help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Amen. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. 
Worthy is Christ, the Lamb who was slain, whose blood set us free to be people of God. Power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and blessing and glory are his. This is the feast of victory for God. Alleluia. Sing with all the people of God and join in the hymn of all creation. Blessing and honor and glory and might be to God and the Lamb forever. Amen. This is the feast of victory for our God, for the Lamb who was slain has begun his reign. Alleluia, alleluia. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O oh God, you have commanded us to love you above all things and our neighbors as ourselves. Grant us the spirit to think and to do what is pleasing in your sight, that our faith in you may never waver and our love for one another may not falter. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Good morning. I have to admit, every time I, I am chosen to read Scripture, I look up things and I learn things in spite of myself. So in this case, we're going to read from Leviticus. It's the third book of the Bible. Here's a couple of tidbits. To me, it's the book of rules. God gave us 10 commandments. The Levites came along and gave us about 603 more to make sure we didn't violate the first 10. Hasn't worked out that well. God gave Moses instructions for the Israelites to keep them holy, as God is holy established Aaron and his sons in the tribe of Levi as the first temple priests serving God. They are the first priests consecrated. They were told when they sinned, somebody sinned, they had to do a sacrifice, and the sacrifice was to find a perfect ram, that's a male bighorn sheep, perfect ram, and to sacrifice it as an atonement for the individual's sins. And if you look at that, it's a perfect male, and they're sacrificing that. It is a foretaste, a foretelling of the perfect human that would be sacrificed for all of mankind's sins. So the first reading this morning is from the book of Leviticus, chapter 19, verses 1 and 2, and then 15 through 18. And this can be found on page 184 
in your pew Bible. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the entire assembly of Israel and say to them, be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. Do not pervert justice. Do not show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great, but judge your neighbor fairly. Do not go about spreading slander among your people. Do not do anything that endangers your neighbor's life. I am the Lord. Do not hate a fellow Israelite in your heart. Rebuke your neighbor frankly so that you will not share in their guilt. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Next we will read Psalm 1 responsively, which is printed in your bulletin. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. But those delight in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his new law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that blows away with the wind. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. The epistle this morning is taken from Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 13, and can be found on page 1838 in the Pew Bible. Now, Paul had left Thessalonica because he was being persecuted. The cancel culture at the time was much more violent than even we see today. The Jews did not like Christians and were willing to kill them. Paul was teaching in Thessalonica. He fled to um, Corinth and then wrote a letter back to the Thessalonians to give them hope. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. You know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know. But with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but God, who tests our hearts. You know we never used flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else, even though as apostles of Christ, we could have asserted our authority. Instead, we were like young children among you. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, 
our toil and hardship. We work night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preach the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as a human word, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Hallelujah. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew from the 22nd chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. The gospel reading this morning is taken from the book of St. Matthew, chapter 22, verses 34 through 46, and can be found on page 1535 in the Pew Bible. Matthew 22, 34 through 46. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Now while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, What do you think about the Messiah? Whose son is he? The son of David, they replied. And he said to them, How is it then? that David, speaking by the Spirit, calls him Lord. For he says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If then David calls him Lord, how can he be his son? No, no one could say a word in reply. And from that day on, No one dared ask to him any more questions. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. (laughs) 
Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. It's all about Jesus? It is. It is all about Jesus. Or as one of my seminary professors used to say, and I still do, that in our Holy Bible, every jot and tittle points to Jesus. All true knowledge about God is knowledge and wisdom of Christ. You can't properly know God if you don't properly know his son, Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's always has been about Jesus. From the moment God himself promised his messianic redemption, from the Garden of Eden, where we were driven from, and a wedge put between man and God. God promised that his Messiah will crush the head of the serpent. And right up to today and into all eternity, that is true. It's all about Jesus. It's all about faith alone in God's gospel promise of grace alone. And that promise of grace that took on flesh and died and rose again for us and our sins. For we know faith alone, grace alone, Christ alone. We shorten it, or I do, with Christ and him, him crucified. Now, what makes the Pharisees' question to Jesus, it makes that question so absurd is this, that these guys, these guys focused on all the wrong things. They focused only on their ethics and their morals. They said, teacher, which law is the greatest law? Now, keep in mind that this question didn't have anything to do with the Ten Commandments, as Ken had mentioned. It had everything to do with their 613 rabbinic laws from the Talmud. Teacher, which uh, one of these rules and laws is the greatest? Which one, in effect, can you absolutely not break if you could keep one, which would it be? You see, they weren't curious. They weren't curious. They weren't stumped. They were trying to set Jesus up with a kind of question that they could trap him in. And whatever he said would be wrong, which was the extent of their whole plan. And of course, we know how Jesus responds. He doesn't light them up and rebuke them for 
obviously being in a false doctrine or obviously uh, exhibiting uh, a damning pride. He doesn't ignore them either. Instead, he answers them. But he answers them in a way by redirecting them to God's holy word. He doesn't say, I think. He redirects them to God's word. He doesn't even direct them to one of the Ten Commandments as if one of them was better or more holy than the other nine. Rather, he directs them to the word of the Lord in Deuteronomy, which is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. This is the great command of the Lord. The second command is just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. All of Scripture, all of the law and the prophets, all hang on this. Love God and love your neighbor. God's instruction book, the Torah, that's it in a nutshell. Love God. Love your neighbor. Yeah, even that neighbor. But then Jesus takes it a little bit further. This is the key to understanding this text. He doesn't change the subject. Some people believe that he was changing the subject, but rather he narrows the subject down like a magnifying glass in the sun. He brings the topic of having God or loving God and loving the neighbor into a a pinpoint focus on the promised Christ. He says, what do you say about the Christ? And all true theology is Christology. This is important. And it was important for the Pharisees to understand. And it's important for us to understand. Everything God reveals to us in Scripture, every jot and tittle, everything in Scripture from genealogies to Levitical dietary commands, a book of rules, to St. John's apocalyptic revelation, all of it points to and finds fulfillment in Jesus Christ. God's word regarding sin and salvation, your sin and salvation, isn't going to make sense if you don't understand it through the lens of Christ. You need to think about this and what this means. You can be the very best Boy Scout or Girl Scout in the congregation. You can do all kinds of things and refrain from all kinds of bad things. You can wear your ankle-length denim skirts or only drink sweet tea and never say anything worse than, bless your heart. You can go way beyond tithing, even up to and including giving 100% of your income as an offering. You can volunteer and work yourself ragged for Jesus. But in the end, in the end, you'll still be a sinner 
who will only be saved through faith alone and God's grace alone because of Christ alone. It's all about Jesus. Or is it? I ask this question to all of us, including myself today, and I know it's very easy to look down on the Pharisees and their blindness to their own sin. When I said, these guys, right? Their whole plan was to trap him. It's easy to look down on their blindness to God's gospel grace. It was talking to them. It's very easy to hammer them on their damning sense of works righteousness and entitlement and their willful blindness, eyes and deaf ears that were not recognizing God's messianic promise in the flesh right in front of them. It's easy to pick on these guys. But what about us? Is it all about Jesus? Is it? Some of you have sung the song, Nothing But the Blood of Jesus, or Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Please, Pastor, no more. But just because you and I sing the song doesn't make it true. And this is going to sound strange, but when we get down to it, the Pharisees didn't go far enough in their understanding of God and his word, his promises. I know that sounds perhaps uh, moralistic on there, or, you know, as though, though I'm an authority, of which I certainly am not. And when I mention that they didn't do the right things, that sounds moralistic, work righteousness, but it's not. You see, they, they looked at Scripture, and then they stopped at the part that dealt with the rules and the morals, and the ethics. They had 613 rules, but they didn't go beyond that. That was their comfort level. They didn't go deeper into God's law. They didn't go near the part of God's law that revealed to them that they were miserable sinners who couldn't save themselves. They didn't go to the part where they were sinners who needed a savior. They went only as far as they were comfortable. And they didn't go any farther. It's kind of weird to think about it that way. But they didn't want to look in the mirror of God's law, of God's word. But I got a feeling they love looking in the mirror at themselves. They love navel-gazing, but they didn't like the rest of the corpse in the reflection. So what about us? Maybe a better question to ask is this. What is church? 
And no, I'm not changing the subject. What is church? Why does church exist? Be careful, because the right true answer may make you a little bit uncomfortable. The right true answer is revealed in the totality of Scripture and confessed by our faithful Lutheran forefathers under the threat of death. The church is where the Word of God is rightly taught and sacraments rightly administered. In a nutshell, the church is where Christ is present and at work. Why does the church exist? The answer is this, so that Christ himself can cleanse us of all guilt and give us his peace and nourish us with his life-giving word and sacrament. It really is all about Jesus. It's not Jesus on the periphery. It's not doing whatever our hearts desire or whatever gives us a warm, fuzzy feeling and then tacking Jesus' name on for validation. It really and truly is him and his giving to us and his means of grace from the font, from the altar, given for you and for me. And this is why I want you to honestly examine the whole It's About Jesus confession that so many uh, are so quick to regurgitate. Can it really be all about Jesus if the primary concern is on you and what you need to do or how you feel? Is it really all about Jesus if the focus is on our budget or on a food pantry or on what pyramid color is up or attendance trends? Is it really all about Jesus if the warm bed or the bank account or the golf course or the yard work comes first? Is it really all about Jesus if we allow heretical denial of Christ and his means of grace because we don't want to make our loved ones uncomfortable? We don't want to hurt their feelings, but it's all about Jesus. Vocationally and baptismally, what do we proclaim? I'll tell you what we don't proclaim. We don't proclaim baptism of a, as a, an outward sign of an inward change. We proclaim that Christ is with us in that baptism. We could proclaim what Paul said, that we died a death like his and, and rised a resurrection like his, and that the Holy Spirit is imparted 
on us. And so water, the word, the Holy Spirit, and the faith of one being baptized, God's work in us, not a symbol. And that's insulting to some. It's all about Jesus. What is the church's message to the world? Oftentimes that we hear or see. It may say, come with me. We have the best coffee and donuts. Come with me. We have the best choir. Come with me. Your kids will have the best time playing in our bounce house. It's all about Jesus. What about come with me? We don't have all the gimmicks and programs and lights and productions and distractions. What about here's the Lord kneeling down from heaven to give you his victories over sin, death, and the grave. Come with me. Here is Christ himself baptizing you into his death and his resurrection. His victory is yours. Here is Christ himself in our very mists, feeding us with the body and the blood. Hmm. Do you see the difference? It's there. And that's what I want you to be thinking about as you now prepare to go back into the world that the Lord calls you to be in, but not a part of. I want you to look to that font, to look to that altar, to look at that cross. Everything is focusing in on Christ and his all-redeeming death and resurrection. Everything is focusing in on Christ and his very present gifts and means of grace. The mission of the church is all about Jesus. The mission of the church is proclaiming Christ in him crucified. And it all flows into Christ. It's all about Christ. The mission is always leading Christ's people to the pulpit, to the font, and to the altar. And at the same time, true and faithful mission is Outward spinning. Okay, what does that mean? Well, in a centrifuge where we take blood and we take out platelets and so forth, we spin it out. Those are life-giving things that we take out of the blood. We are life-giving. We go and we spin out the love of Christ. The, it's all about Jesus. Come and see. That's what we do. But notice that it's not our message or our gimmicks or our deeds or goodies that are spun out in an attempt to make disciples of all nations. It is the gospel reality of Christ crucified. It is his means of grace. And he calls us to go out and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded. It really is all about Jesus.
and we flow to Christ, Christ alone and his means of grace. And our faithful response is Christ and him crucified for me and for you. And nourished and made alive in Christ, we spin out into the world around us. Christ at work through us. His light shining through us to those who are still dwelling in darkness, the darkness of sinful ignorance and unbelief. And it's all so very alive, what we have. Living, breathing, Christ-centered faith in action is alive. We flow from the cross and back to the cross. We flow from the altar and back to the altar, from the front and the back to the font. It's like I had described in another time, the life of a Christian is like the waves coming to the beach and going back out. We come and we confess and we are forgiven and we go back out and we come back and we confess and we go back out. His mercies are made new each time. We are flowing and our object is to go out and catch other people into that flow with us. Come. It's all about Jesus. My hope is this, is that you realize that he is very present with you and with me right now and that his grace is imparted in the gifts that he gave and the gifts that we will receive, as Ken said this morning, a foretaste of the feast to come. It's all about Jesus and it's all about what Jesus did for you. In the name of Jesus, amen.
Will you still, would you please stand if you're able? Let us confess our faith together with the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. And on the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the the forgiveness of sins, and the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. having confidence in our justification by grace through faith and having access to the Father in Jesus' name, let us turn our hearts to prayer on behalf of ourselves, the church, and all people in accordance to their needs. Almighty God, you have shown your faithfulness by raising up those in every generation who call your church to repentance and renewal. Continue to raise up voices in our own day who herald the truth of your word and proclaim the faith in purity and truth against all enemies. Lord, in your mercy... An everlasting Father, you do not desire the death of the sinner, but want all to come to faith and life in Christ. Raise up faithful pastors who will preach your word without fail and teach doctrine delivered to the saints that many may hear and believe, Lord, in your mercy. Merciful Lord, Your word has been the light and salvation throughout the ages. Help us to bring your grace to those in darkness and grant them freedom through the forgiveness of their sins. Bless the missionaries serving far and near and the new congregations they establish in your name. Lord, in your mercy. God of power and might, you have established governments and the order of law for protection of all people and to preserve the freedom to worship you in spirit and in truth. Grant to Donald, our president, Gavin, our governor, and the Congress of these United States and the legislature of our state wisdom, humility, and integrity, that all may enjoy true justice and the protection of life 
from its conception to its natural end. Lord, in your mercy, holy and gracious God, your power is revealed chiefly in showing mercy to those in need. Give to the sick healing, to the troubled peace, to the grieving comfort, and to the dying peace. Hear us first on behalf of those who we name in our hearts or out loud before you now. According to your gracious promise, grant patience to those in tribulation and trial. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, you have given great gifts to your people and provided resources to provide for their own needs and for the poor. Bless the agencies and programs of your church by which your people give aid and support to those in need. Help us to provide gainful employment to all people that they may enjoy the fruits of their own labors and honor you with the works of their hands. Lord, in your mercy. Gracious God and Father, your own Son has set his table among us and gives his own flesh and his blood to be the bread of heaven that feeds us everlasting life and the cup of salvation in which our thirst is satisfied forever. Give us your Holy Spirit that we may commune worthily in repentance and faith, that we feast upon his holy sacrament. Bring us last to the day when all earthly divisions will cease and we will be one people before the altar of God until that day. Preserve among us your word, and your sacraments. Lord, in your mercy. O faithful Lord, throughout the ages you spoke hope through the prophets until that day when you delivered up to your, you delivered up your own Son to be our Savior and Redeemer. Bless those who are just learning the gospel and bless us with a desire to know and keep your word. Encourage your people to avail themselves of the grace of confession and absolution so that they may forgive one another and live in the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty God and Father, we pray you to grant us all good things that will benefit us in body and soul and to prevent anything harmful to us or to our salvation. Teach us to live in contentment with your will and purpose and in freedom you alone supply to serve you with all our heart, all our mind, all our body, and all our soul. All these things we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. May the 
peace from the Lord be with you always. Let us share the peace. A wave has to be good enough these days, right? So we're being responsible and we're waving and peace be with you all. Will you pray with me now? Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts. With them we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made for the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, through Christ our Lord, who on this day overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection he opened to us the way of everlasting life. And so with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, Lord God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. On the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus Christ took the bread and he gave thanks and then he broke it, giving it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks. And then he gave it to his disciples saying, take and drink, all of you. This is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his glorious coming again. Together, let us pray the prayer that Jesus gave to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, 
and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. We have the holy sacrament of communion, the sacrament of the altar, every Sunday. And the reason we do that is because Christ is present. And in the sermon, our forefathers talked about that. Specifically, Luther himself said, if you don't have holy communion at your church, you don't have a church. And so we do it. Because we know and we believe his body given, his blood shed for the forgiveness of our sins. Christ and him crucified, crossing your lips for the forgiveness of sin, for salvation, eternal life. I heard you all confess Jesus with your lips. And I know that you believe in your heart that he is Lord and Savior. This meal, this taste of things to come is ready for you right here and right now. You will be brought up by the ushers. May God love you.
maybe I said it's all about Jesus a few times today. Did you guys catch that? I'll bet you don't forget it. I think uh, I might have overdone it, but um, I'm going to blame Jesus on that one because it really is about him. I... uh, I'm really happy to be your pastor and to be given the opportunity to serve this congregation, to serve with the word preached rightly and the sacrament administered rightly. And it really is as simple as that. And I'm grateful that you're here, and I'm grateful that you are powerful witnesses and brothers and sisters of mine walking side by side with me to proclaim Christ and Him crucified. Thank you. I would like uh, to do the benediction now, and that is, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and grant you His perfect peace in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Wonderful, merciful Savior, precious Redeemer and
always hunger for.